Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Av Harachamim, Father of mercies. Father, we worship you, we glorify you, and we adore you. Father, we ask you to move mightily and powerfully in our midst today and to have your way in our service and our hearts and in this message. I pray that you speak faithfully through me, Father. I pray that you use me as a vessel for you and for your glory and that nothing of me be involved except that which you have ordained for your purposes. Father, speak today, speak into our hearts, encourage us, uplift us, and if need be, convict us, Father, to turn our hearts to you entirely and faithfully and wholeheartedly to serve and to worship you, to hear your voice and to answer your call. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen. This week we read Parsha Ha'azinu. Uh, it's uh, also known as this passage, is also known as the Song of uh, Moses. Um, we do know, if you've read the scriptures, uh, which I hope you have, if you've read the scriptures, we do know that there are two instances in the Torah where we see a quote-unquote Song of Moses. Anybody remember the first one? Remember where that is? Exodus 15. This is immediately after Israel crossing the Yam Suf, the Sea of Reeds. Uh, this is also called the Song of the Sea. Um, this is Moses crying out in worship, uh, in praise for what God has done. In Exodus 15, the, the Song of Moses in Exodus starts out this way. Then Moses, B'nai Israel, sang the song to Adonai. I will sing to Adonai, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Adonai is my strength and my song, and he's become my salvation. This is my God, and I will glorify him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. Adonai is a warrior. Adonai is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea, and his uh, chosen captains he has sunk into the sea of reeds. The deep cover them. They sank to the depth like a stone. Your right hand, Adonai, is glorious in power. Your right hand, Adonai, dashes the enemy to pieces. And it continues on through verse 11 where we get the Micha Mocha, who is like you, Adonai, among the gods, who is like you, glorious in holiness, uh, awesome in praise and doing wonders. And it continues on through uh, verse uh, 19, roughly. If you read this, and then you read Parsha Ha'azinu in Deuteronomy 32, there is a very, very, very distinct difference in the sound of the two songs of Moses. Um, in Exodus, what Moses says here, everything he says is praise and adoration and glory. He's thanking God. He is giving God glory for victory. He is giving God glory for provision. He's giving God glory for being awesome. He is giving God glory for all of these things that God has done for Israel and for bringing them out of Egypt, out of slavery, through the Yom Suf and safety and providing uh, protection for them. Um, and he calls Israel to rejoice with him in these words. But then we turn to Ha'azinu, Pasha Ha'azinu, uh, from Deuteronomy 32, and the language begins to shift. This song is completely different. The attitude, the heart, the, uh, the solemnness of this song, he begins, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. Let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching trickle like rain, my speech distill like dew, like gentle rain on new grass, like showers on tender plain, plants. For I will proclaim out of name, ascribe greatness to our Lord, the rock, uh, Hadzor, the rock, blameless is his work. Indeed, all his ways are just. God is faithfulness without, God of faithfulness without iniquity. 
righteous and upright as he, did it corrupt him? No, the blemish is his children's a generation crooked and twisted. Skipping to verse 7, remember the days of antiquity. Understand the years across generations. Ask your fathers and he will tell you. Uh, your elders, and they will say to you, when Elyon gave nations their heritage, when he separated the sons of man, he separated boundaries for the people by the number of Bnei Israel. but Adonai's portion is his people. Jacob is his share of his inheritance. He found him in the wilderness uh, land in the void of a howling waste. He surrounded him, cared for him, guarded him as the pupil of his eyes, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young. He spread his wings catches him, lifts him up uh, on, on his opinions. Adonai also guided him. There was no foreign God with him. He made him mount to the heights of the land, so he ate the produce of the field. He suckled him with honey from a rock, with the oil uh, from a flinting boulder. But a better, butter of cattle and milk of a flock with fat of lambs, rams uh, of the Bashan and he goats with fat of the kidneys of wheat uh, and blood of grapes. You drank, but Yeshiron, Jeshiron in, in most English translation, but Yeshiron grew fat and kicked. You got fat, you grew thick, you gorged. He forsook God who made him. He mocked the rock of his salvation. They made him jealous with strangers, with abominations. They angered him. They sacrificed to demons, a non-god, gods they had not known, to new ones who came in lately, ones our fathers had not dreaded. The rock who birthed you, you ignored. You forgot God who brought you forth. Skipping to verse 21. They made me jealous with non-gods. With a non-god, they vexed me with airy idols. So I will make them jealous with, non with a non-people. With a foolish nation, I will vex them. Verse 26. I would have them, I would have said, I will hack them to pieces, make the memory of them cease from mankind except I dreaded the taunt of the enemy, lest their foes might misconstrue, lest they say, our hand is held high, and Adonai has not done all of this. Uh, speaking of all the miracles that God did bringing Israel out of Egypt. Verse 40, yes, I lift up my hand to the heavens and say as I myself live forever, when I sharpen my lightning sword and my hand seizes in its judgment, I will return vengeance on my foes and those who hate me I will pay back. Verse 43, make his people rejoice, O nations, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will return vengeance on his foes and atone for the land of his people. Verse 45, when Moses finished speaking all these words, to all Israel, he said to them, put in your hearts all the words that I call as witness against you today, that you may command your children to keep and do all of the words of this Torah, for it is not an empty thing for you because it is your life. But this word you will prolong, by this word you will prolong your days on the land which you are crossing over the Jordan to possess. The voice of the author of these words changes. Moses' intentions of this song are drastically different than that of Exodus chapter 15. As we read through this song, what we realize is that it's actually two parts. One is it's prophetic. Moses is proclaiming the truth of Israel's past, Israel's present, and Israel's future. As we look through the history of the Jewish people, as we look through the history of Israel in the wilderness and uh, coming out of the wilderness, going into the promised land, one thing that Israel has always been guilty of in their journey to the promises of God is that we are quick to turn away from God and we are quick to turn to other gods, gods that our forefathers have not known. 
Israel, uh, Jacob himself and his children descend upon Egypt and they become a mighty nation in the midst of Egypt. But in Egypt, they fall prey to idolatry of the Egyptian people. They start to worship the gods of Egypt. So that first generation that was brought out of Egypt, they were already tainted. They were already a people weak of heart. They were already a people that no matter what God did, they were ultimately going to return to the mentality that they had as slaves in Egypt. Then they go to Mount Sinai and they see the beauty of the glory of God before them. They hear the voice of the Lord speak forth. The the ten words. Moses ascends the mountain to get the words, the rest of the word of God from God for Israel because Israel said, Moses, if we hear his voice again, we are going to die. We are too frightful of his voice. So Moses ascends the mountain and uh, God starts to download Moses with the, the Torah, the remainder of the Torah. Moses comes back down the mountain to find that Israel got skittish when they realized Moses had been gone for a while. And they thought he might be dead up there, so their solution was to build an idol and to worship this idol as the God that brought them out of Egypt. God brings uh, or allows for, for uh, forgiveness. He forgives Israel as they repent of this sin. There are those that die in the, the plague that follow, but they, they repent, and God forgives the sin of idolatry of the golden calf. Then we go to the shores of the Jordan River and we send spies into the promised land and they come back with an evil report and instantly we turn our back on God again. And this is a theme that happens throughout the scriptures over and over again. As a matter of fact, both temples were destroyed. Jerusalem was plowed over twice, not because of God's mistakes, but because of Israel's. Because of our lack of willingness to honor our covenant with our creator, with our God, with our king. So Moses is using the words of Parsha Ha'azinu to remind Israel of the mistakes that we made before, to tell us where we are now, and to remind Israel or, or prophesy to Israel of the potential mistakes they might make in the future. As is said earlier in Deuteronomy, uh, in the blessings and curses, God says, when all of these both blessings and curses fall upon you. So it's clear that it, Moses is well aware through the the, the words of God that Israel is ultimately going to fall prey to idolatry again. Now, the other side to the discussion of Parsha Hazinu is that it's actually a discussion uh, and a reminder to Israel of the importance of recognizing who we're listening to, the importance of knowing who we listen to. In many synagogues today, in traditional synagogues, when you walk in the synagogue, there's uh, somewhere up on the wall above the, the bima or around the, the ark the Torah ark, there's going to be one sign in Hebrew or one, one thing in Hebrew is going to say, Adonai, so the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And the other side is going to say in Hebrew, know before whom you stand. And it's an idea that we are to walk into worship with God, we're to walk into worship with reverence of who it is we worship. But Moses is reminding Israel here in Parsha Ha'azinu, you know now who you worship because you worship the God of all creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your forefathers, the God who has brought you out of slavery into freedom and is bringing you into his promises and blessings. But make sure that you do not become comfortable. Some of the words in Hazinu remind me of the words of Paul in Romans where he tells the Gentiles coming into the body of Messiah through faith and salvation of Yeshua, he tells them, do not become arrogant in your faith. Do not become arrogant because God cut off the natural branches that make room for the unnatural. Understand that he only cut off the natural to make room for you, but if you become arrogant in faith, how much easier it is it for him to cut off the unnatural branches as it was for him to cut off the natural? And there's similar words that are spoken here in Hazinu. 
as Moses is calling Israel not to become arrogant. And Hazinu, God refers to Israel as Yeshiron. Yeshiron is a word that comes from the root word Yeshar, and it's a term of endearment God uses, and we see it throughout the Scriptures in numerous places. It's a term of endearment that God uses for Israel. You know, you've got Israel, Yisrael in Hebrew, Israel, which is uh, the name of Jacob, um, the, the name that Jacob was changed to, the name of the people itself, and then we've got Yeshiron. And Yeshiron means the righteous ones, the upright ones. It's a term of endearment. It's like when I, I talk to my children and I say uh, something like, hey, sweethearts, hey, uh, uh, my princess to Eliana or my, my, uh, my little man to Natanel or something like this. It's, it's a term of endearment. It's, it's the heavenly father showing his love to Israel and, and speaking who they are to them. But he calls them Yeshiron, which means upright ones. But even as he calls them that, He's condemning them for what may happen or what will happen in the future. He says, verse 15, but Yeshurun, the upright ones, he's using this term of endearment, uh, grew fat and kicked, you got fat, you grew thick, you gorged. In other words, God provided all of these, the sustenance and this material things for you. You did everything he said he was going to do, but, but you got weak of faith. And you just continued to consume and consume and consume and consume until ultimately you forgot where the consumption was coming from. And you started attesting that consumption. You started attesting the blessing to others, giving it to other gods that do not exist, gods that are not real. This is an important parsha for us as believers in the day and age and the world that we live in to take heed to. Because the words of Parsha Ha'azinu are calling us as God's chosen people both physical and spiritual Israel. He's calling us as God's chosen people to heed the right voice, to heed the voice of the Lord, not the voice of the enemy, to make sure that when we hear something spiritually, that as we hear it, we discern who it's coming from. We discern whether it is of the Lord or it is of the enemy, whether it is of God's ways or if it is against God's ways. In this week's Haftorah Parsha in 2 Samuel 22, uh, 2 Samuel 22, David is saying his last words as king uh, to the nation. He starts to unload, and he uses some of the same imagery of God being the strong tower, being the strong rock. But ultimately, as he does, he's recalling not, he's not dealing with Israel, he's recalling his own life. And as we read through this passage of 2 Samuel 22, what we see is that David is using some of the same imagery that Moses uses in Parsha Ha'azinu in Deuteronomy. He's using some of the same imagery in reference to his own life. And he talks about his own mistakes and how he eventually had to return. And he praises God for accepting him and providing salvation and, and so on and so forth to him. And there's this imagery of the importance of making teshuvah, of returning to him. As we look through this, though, you got to hold to the reality that we serve the Messiah, Yeshua, God's only begotten Son that He offered for our sins and atonement. And as such, we have to heed the words of Messiah. And Messiah says that we cannot serve two masters. He says a sheep knows the voice of his master. And continually he talks about the importance of listening to Him. There's this concept that appears throughout Scripture the very same word that is used in Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema, the very same word Shema is used over and over again in reference to hearing God. And it's not just hear as in we open our ears, but we hear and we respond. We do what He calls of us. 
And Yeshua reminds us over and over again that as we walk out this life of faith, as we walk in this new creation that we are, just like Israel had a new creation as the first generation died out and the second generation stands up to answer the call, there's this new creation. And the second generation crosses through the Jordan River in the same experience of miracle as the first generation did crossing the Yom Suf, the Sea of Reeds. And they go into the promised land and they see miracles that bring victory just like God provided victories and miracles for their forefathers in the, prom- in, in the land of Egypt. And over and over again, but there's this new creation experience that happens. And as believers, when we repent of our sins and we cry out for salvation in Yeshua's name and we go through water immersion and mikvah for uh, the remission of sin, we become a new creation. But every new creation has the same susceptibility to being tainted by the enemy. And we see Israel in their journey in the promised land that they fall prey to that same susceptibility. The nation divides upon itself after Solomon and you have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom to the best of what they could continue to serve God and and worship Him at the temple and follow the priesthood and so on. The northern kingdom fell prey to idolatry and as the northern kingdom broke away they set up uh, idolatrous uh, uh, altars all around the perimeter of the country so that you wouldn't have to go out of the northern kingdom to go make uh, sacrifice. You can make sacrifice to whoever you wanted to right there. It didn't matter. And it was set up as a hindrance for those of the northern kingdom to make their way down to the southern kingdom to worship the God of all creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of their forefathers. This is the new creation that falls prey to this. And so God tells us over and over again throughout his word to make sure that we heed the voice of the Lord, that still small voice. We don't just listen to the loudest, biggest show there is. We don't just, as soon as something goes on, we don't immediately, how many have ever felt like they had, uh, and for me, I tend to, to receive from the Lord in, in an inclination, there's an impression on my heart or my spirit, um, and, and then I, I seek Him for, for, for uh, um, uh, answers to that, whether or not it's of Him for uh, confirmation of it. Uh, how many of us have ever felt we heard the, the, the Lord tell us to do something, to direct us in a certain way, only to find out later that that we very well may have been outside of his will and heard the wrong voice, but yet did not follow a procedure of discernment of the Spirit of God to make sure we're walking down the right path. I want you to understand, the enemy is not stupid. He may be arrogant, he may be a lot of really bad things, but he is not stupid. The demonic forces, the demonic spiritual warfare that we as believers are battling every single day, there will be voices that speak. And they may even say that they're telling you to do something that's of God. And it may even somewhat sound okay in conjunction with the Word of God. But because the enemy uses just enough truth to hook you and then uses that to drag you down, it is more important than ever that as believers we truly heed the voice of the Lord and we seek His voice on a daily basis. And when we hear what we believe to be from Him that we put it to test through discernment, through His Spirit within us to know for sure whether it's of Him. Because David was one of the greatest men that ever lived, but David fell prey to the susceptibility of the enemy numerous times in some of the worst possible ways imaginable. Yet David's considered because of his repentance, not because he was perfect, but because of his willingness to repent, David's considered one of the most righteous men that's ever lived. 
throughout the Word of God and is over and over again impressed upon His people that we listen for His voice, that we heed His voice. And there's a reality to His voice that we can heed, we can hear without being put to death. Israel was afraid as they heard the voice of God at Mount Sinai. They were going to die because of the glory and the power of the Lord that they saw and heard. But the reality is, is that what's God, that's what God wants of us, is that we see and hear in His presence. Not that we have to have somebody tell us on His behalf. If you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. It says, therefore, just as the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. There your fathers put me to the test, though they saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked by this generation, and I said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers and sisters, that none of you has an evil heart of unbelief that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day by day as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partners in Messiah. If we hold our original conviction firm until the end, as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Now, which ones heard and rebelled indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt with Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? Was it not to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter in because of lack of trust. As believers in Messiah, in the age and day that we live, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I follow the news as best I can. I watch what's happening around the world. I see prophecy, end-time prophecy being fulfilled before our eyes. We live in a day and age now where there's going to be two types of believers, those that cowered and hide and those that stand firm for sharing the Basar, the good news of Messiah, with all they come into contact with. I want you to understand that that second type of believer who stands firm, it's the only option there is. That's what God's called us to do. God has called us to be the light of Messiah in the world that we live in. That's what he called Israel to be in the first place, is to be a light into the nations. As believers, that's what we are to do, is to share Messiah with all we come into contact with. He's to radiate off of us first before we ever have to open our mouth. They should see the light of Messiah in our lives and then ask questions. But if we do not heed his voice, if we fall prey to listening to the enemy's guidance and direction, I guarantee we will fall prey to sin. And the thing that's the worst about sin is that even if you think you can hide it, even if you think you can cover it up and nobody will ever know, the reality about sin is it speaks so much louder than the words we could ever speak about Messiah. And what I mean by that is we don't have to tell somebody we've sinned for them to see the dirt, the despair, the disgust, the darkness in our lives. 
The truth is, is that the light overpowers the darkness unless we give the darkness the power. And so it's important in these days that we stand true in our walk with the Messiah, that we dig into His Word daily, that we spend every possible waking moment in communion with Him in prayer and in worship. One of my favorite things in the world to see is my children randomly start singing worship songs. They know some I've never even heard. At least I don't remember hearing. Maybe I blacked them out. I don't know. But, but they just start singing, and it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to hear. It's awesome to see. It's important that we stay together in community as Mishpacha's family to strengthen one another, to encourage one another. Iron sharpens iron. It's important that we spend time as community together to defend each other, to protect each other, to recharge each other. Yeshua says, where two or three are gathered together, there he will be also. So when we gather like this, we are being recharged with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. And God is doing a work cleansing us. And the light does overcome the darkness. But if we go out into the world and we are not truly walking for the Lord like we say we are, they'll know the truth. And what's amazing is, and you can test me on this if you want, go out and try it. What's amazing is, when we're walking right with the Lord in full repentance and full service of Him, and His light is shining, it's amazing how many more people we can reach without ever trying. But if we're not, we can preach all day long and not reach a single person because the words are empty if the, light's not, the life is not in line with the light. So the, 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 the ultimate call of Parsha Ha'azinu is a call for us to understand, to be awakened to, to be aware of, most importantly to seek. Which voice are we heeding? Is it the voice of the Lord or the voice of the enemy? Are we walking in the ways of the Lord? Are we honoring Him? Or are we destroying His image in us? One of the things that I love about David is that Melech David, King David, committed some of the most despicable sins there are. Not only did he commit adultery, not only did he uh, get the woman that he committed adultery with pregnant, not only did he try to pass it off as his best friend's kid because it was his best friend's wife, not only did he go through all of that, but when none of that worked out for what he was looking for, he just killed him. Sends him out to war and pulls all the troops back and leaves him there to die. This is supposed to be his friend. This is supposed to be one of the most righteous men that's ever lived. I've done some really bad things in my life. I've committed some really despicable sins, but if I were to run a running tally, I think he still got me beat. And if God could forgive him and restore him and David be considered one of the most righteous men that's ever lived, and David can sing over and over and over again about the glory of God and His forgiveness and His sustaining us and His being our rock and our salvation and our Redeemer, how much more can I sing those words? How much more can I live that example? The end of Parsha Hazinu, verse 45, Moses says, when Mo, or the, the Parsha says, when Moses finished speaking all these words to all, all Israel, he said to them, put it in your hearts, all the words 
that I call as witness against you today, that you may command your children to keep and do all the words of this Torah. For it is not an empty thing for you, because it is your life. By this word, you still prolong, you will prolong your days on the land which you are crossing over the Jordan to possess. The Torah is your life. As believers, we should understand that even more than anyone else. Because John 1 tells us that Yeshua is the Word, and the Word is God, and all life was created through Him. Yeshua resides within us. His Word is what gives us life, because it is Him. It gives us life. It gives us the ability to sustain But more importantly, it should shine forth from our hearts and our lives in a way that impacts lives before we ever have to speak. I've told you before, and I believe it fervently, that we live in a day and age where preaching the truth of of Messiah, preaching the gospel, will get us nowhere and will do no good for anyone. We live in a day and age where we must live the gospel. We must live the light of Messiah. We must live in a way that people see the besor, the good news in our life before they ever hear the words that come out of our mouth because if they do not see it first, they will not hear it. We can't pull the wool over people's eyes anymore. The body cannot continue to pretend that we're spotless and think that we're still going to be able to share the truth of the Lamb. We must rely on the Lamb to be spotless. We must heed His voice, and we must know the difference between His voice and that of the alternative. It is the difference between life and death, not just for you and I, not just for the body of Messiah, but for every soul we come into contact with. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, Father, we thank You for being a God who has looked beyond our Mistakes, who has looked beyond our sins, who has looked beyond our walking in the ways of men, and has called us into the truth of your salvation and your righteousness. Abba, I pray that at this point, as we've now closed out the ten days of awe and we prepare for Sukkot, the festival of gathering, the festival of tabernacles, Father, I pray that that you will tabernacle among us in a very literal sense, and that you will prepare our hearts, that you will restore us in fullness to you, and that you will shine your light in our hearts and lives to every person we come into contact with, and that you will give us opportunities by your leading and by the heeding of your voice to see others come to salvation because of what you have done in our lives. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. And everyone says, Amen.